Good morning, church. Our scripture, pa scripture passage this morning comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 34. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible with you, we have some available in the back cart. Please feel free to grab one of those as our gift to you. And he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not, that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Andre. Good morning, church. Where did the month of April go? It seems to be flying by, and with that, uh, that means that in the life of our church, a congregational meeting is right around the corner. Um, in May, we will have uh, a pitch-in congregational meeting that it will be very important. In fact, it's so important that there's going to be a few topics that we probably won't have enough space to fully discuss in the meeting. So we're going to do something we've never done in Castleton before. Uh, we're going to call some church-wide town hall meetings. Um, essentially, they're just evening times to come, hear about three particular topics that uh, we think could use a little more airtime, um, questions related to our building assessment and capacity issues, uh, the question of pastoral sabbaticals, which we've never dealt with before, and um, as well as a bylaw revision, which will be really important coming up in that May meeting. Now, these will be in place of the Q&As that we normally do, and they're going to be exactly identical town hall topics, um, so you don't have to come to both. But we do encourage, if you're a member, to find time to come to one of the two of them. I th we think that it will greatly help you to be able to engage and have a meaningful vote in that May meeting. So I encourage you to look at the slide in the e-news and in your bulletin, and uh, consider which of those you'll be able to attend. All right, we're going to continue our study in the Gospel of Luke this morning um, as we continue to consider what it means to be rich toward God in a life of stewardship. Would you pray with me before we begin our study? 
Father, just by looking outside, we can see that you are a provider. You give the grass everything it needs to have that beautiful green color. You give each of the birds delightful discoveries of each morsel that they eat. And all of it testifies to something that we know to be true, that you provide. So this morning, would you help us to root our confidence in this world, not in the things our hands can produce or the ways our minds can invent to create a sort of security, but to be rooted in the indestructible promise that you provide and that you've prepared a place for us in your kingdom. Quiet the worry, anxious hearts that are in turmoil within us, we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. I turned on the evening news and saw a acquaintance, a friend. I had a long list of people that I was friends with growing up that I imagined one day might end up on the evening news. Uh, some of them for very positive reasons. Um, some of them went off to Ivy League schools and um, worked in Silicon Valley for tech startups. Uh, uh, some invented things. I thought maybe one day it would be a noteworthy invention. It'd end up on the evening news. Uh, others, I had maybe some less positive reasons for thinking they may end up on the evening news. Uh, you can imagine what those might be. But I have to say, for all the people I thought I would see on the evening news, it was not this particular man. Uh, that's because he had a rather unremarkable job, uh, the sort of job that no one was really all that interested in. Uh, he took up the mantle of the family business to produce toilet paper. But of course, at this particular moment in history, having enough toilet paper was a very, very important thing. Uh, you all remember those crazy moments where we were all worried if we would have enough for that very important business that we don't like to talk about. And as a result, this acquaintance of mine, for the moment, was a hometown hero. He was paraded in front of the reporters. People wanted to know, how do you do what you do? Can you do more of it? <laughs> now that underlying question of anxiety and worry in our hearts, will we have enough? Uh, it's not that far away from any of our lives. It just takes a quick turn of circumstance or an unforeseen bend of the road of providence and we find ourselves weighed down with worries. Will we have enough? Uh, last week, Jesus showed us that we are to see our whole lives as given from God and to be rich toward God as a, an act of stewardship, even to give generously of what he provides. But let's be honest, one of the biggest barriers to us doing that is the worry that we won't have enough. Which is why Jesus, being the master teacher he is, addresses that fear and anxiety common to all of our hearts, giving us reasons that we should not be weighed down with worry. Uh, he wants us to live lives that are free as a bird, beautiful as a flower, secure as a bank vault. And he's gonna teach us a principle 
so that we can be free from anxiety. Uh, here's their main point this morning. We won't worry because our Father provides. Jesus wants his disciples to know that we won't worry because our Father provides. Uh, we'll see that in two sections this morning. First, 22 through 31. Very imaginative main point title, We Won't Worry. Uh, Jesus has been uh, walking along the road to Jerusalem with his disciples, and uh, he now turns his attention to that inner group of disciples and tells them in verse 22, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, nor about your body, what you'll put on, for life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. In this section, Jesus will give us four reasons why we will not worry. The first is, we will not worry because we know our worth is not in what we own. Uh, have you noticed that having an abundance of possessions does not result in having a richer life, necessarily? Uh, I once met a man, lived in a place called Gifford, Florida. It uh, used to be a grove picker town. Uh, uh, there was a series of groves, and the people that lived there were the workers that would go and pick the produce of those groves. But uh, over time, that business fell on hard times, and all of the picking dried up, uh, which resulted in a community that was left behind and left destitute. I met one particular man that had lived there his entire life, lived in the same house, he was a mechanic, worked with his hands. He didn't own a car. He walked to and from his job every day, just a few blocks. Now, he didn't have much, but he lived a rich life. He was full of joy and contentment and peace. Uh, compare that with some of the very flashy examples that you can see in our society. People who have more than enough, and yet who seem to have more than enough troubles to outweigh the things that they own. There's a Netflix series called The Queen of Versailles. It's about the family that decided to build the largest home in America. Uh, it's a fascinating social study. Uh, they want the biggest, best home you could possibly dream up or money could buy, and yet in the process, they are more miserable than you could imagine. Why? Uh, because your life's worth is not tied up in your net worth. And it's certainly not tied up in having enough stuff. Uh, Jesus tells us one of the reasons why we are anxious and we worry is because we often think that the more things we have, the more valuable our life is. But we won't fall into that trap because we know we won't worry because our worth is not in having enough stuff. A second, in verses 24 and 27 through 28, I'm going to cover this topically because Jesus jumps around a little bit. Uh, we won't worry because we know our heavenly Father will provide. Verse 24, Jesus turns his attention to the first of uh, a few examples from nature. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet, God feeds them of how much more value are you than birds. 
Um, I am rich when it comes to the view that I have in my office. Uh, it sits right on the back side of our building facing out into the woods, uh, which means I can look up from my desk and just turn my head and see a beautiful example of our Lord's creativity and beauty and creation. And so I oftentimes spend a lot of time thinking, just staring at that window and watching uh, the raccoons and the squirrels and yes, the birds. You know, my five and a half years staring out that window, I've seen birds of all different types, hawks and crows and sparrows. See them flying and swooping and nesting. You know one thing I've never seen a bird do? Getting stressed out. They're delighted at everything they discover that they can eat or use for their nest. It seems like they have no cares at all, which is why we have that phrase, free as a bird. Uh, Jesus uses an analogy from the lesser to the greater. Uh, ravens were unclean birds. Uh, people would think they were the last creatures that God would care anything about, and yet Somehow or the other, God manages the logistics of making sure each and every raven has enough to eat every day over the whole world without any effort. So if God can provide for the measly birds, don't you think he could provide for you? Aren't you much more valuable than a whole flock of birds? Uh, he uses the same sort of logic, but shifts the object. No longer is he talking about food, but now he talks about clothing in verses 27 through 28 with another example, this time from your lawn and garden. Uh, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Um, our family loves lilies, love them so much our daughter is named after them. They come in a variety of different colors. All of them are delightful, white and orange and red. Um, Think about what a lily has to do to make itself beautiful. Uh, a lily never spends any time sewing together garments to beautify itself. Uh, a lily expends no effort thinking about what sort of paint it might use so that it would have beautiful hues. A lily is beautiful just because God made it that way. Uh, according to Jesus, a lily is more beautiful than even King Solomon with all his tailors and jewelers to make him play the part of the king of Israel during its golden age. Lilies just pop up, usually during the spring. And if you'll take the time to consider what their beautiful hues teach us of our God's provision, they would tell you you need not worry about what you would wear. Uh, Jesus uses a third example, that of grass. Uh, did you know that God loves green grass? He does. Uh, you may work really hard to make sure that your grass is green during the springtime. Some of our grass is more green than others, depending how much effort we put into it. But why does that happen? Uh, well, the greenness of grass doesn't last long, particularly the grass in Israel. It, 
it uh, only stays green for a few weeks. And then because of how arid the soil is and the climate, it, it dies. It, it's used for straw in the ovens. And yet God goes out of his way to make that brilliant green for the grass, even if it doesn't last. So if he cares enough to do that, don't you think he could provide you with the clothing you'll put on your back to beautify yourself? Uh, Jesus is here teaching us that we can trust our Heavenly Father to provide for all the essentials in life. Uh, our Heavenly Father has no shortage of threads to clothe us or bread to put on our tables. And if you think back through your life, you have a long, stretching, a long, long set of examples stretching back to your very first days of him doing just that already. So can't you trust him to provide for the years and days ahead? Uh, there's a great delight when you see God as your provider. When you trust him, when you're not sure how you're going to make ends meet. Or how are you going to put a shirt on your kid's back or a roof over their, table, uh, over their heads? I was reminded of a spot in the hiding place uh, where Corey Ten Boone and her sister Betsy found themselves in a very difficult place without enough to go around. Uh, they were in the concentration camp of uh, Ravensbrook. And uh, in this moment that uh, Corey recounts, she managed to get a hold of a bottle of vitamins uh, which, if you're not getting adequate food, is like a bottle of gold. So she was trying to ration this, these liquid vitamins with a dropper to make them last as long as possible. Only the Lord started convicting her that it wasn't just her sister that needed the vitamins. There were dozens of women in the same dormitory as her who needed them as well. So she, in faith, opened up her hands and started doling out drops of those vitamins to anyone who needed them. To her surprise, the bottle didn't run dry overnight. In fact, it kept producing drop after drop, day after day. Finally, she turned to Betsy, absolutely astounded by what was happening, and her sister said this, Corey, don't try too hard to explain it. Just accept it as a surprise from your father who loves you. Don't you have that experience as a Christian? Uh, somehow or the other, God always provides. So don't weigh your soul down with worry. Trust him and wait to be delighted as he provides clothing and food and the essentials that you need. We don't worry. Third reason, verses 25 through 26, we don't worry because we know worry is a waste. Verse 25, he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you're not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Worry never gives you anything. It only takes. Uh, worry can't add a single minute to your life, but it can fill your life with misery if you let it. Uh, think of a low-stakes example uh, as you're watching your favorite sports team in a really important game. Uh, let's say it's the FAU Owls in the Final Four, just, just by random chance. Uh, as you watch their lead go from 12 to 10 to 6 
to four to one, you start to get a sinking feeling in your stomach. Uh, the indigestion reveals that you are worried that they are not going to pull out the victory you want so badly. And of course, when the worst happens and they lose at the last second, you're not bitter about it at all. <laughs> but ask yourself, honestly, has all your worrying accomplished anything? Was the scoreboard influenced one bit by your hand wringing? Worry is a waste because worry doesn't change things. It just fills our life with misery. That's true of watching sports and it's true with the rest of our lives. Uh, Jesus would agree with that song by Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry, be happy. Sometimes in life you have some trouble, but when you worry, you make it double. Uh, but Jesus would go further and don't, wouldn't just tell you to don't worry, be happy. He would tell you to root it in something more secure. The, the fact that you have a loving father who has ordered each and every one of your days. Did you notice that? He said worrying can't add a single span to your life, not another hour. Uh, that's because your life has already been lovingly laid out ahead of time by your heavenly father. You're not God. You're not the one who decides how things are going to go. No, that's reserved for the one who knows so much better what you truly need and has already decided how he's going to provide for you. So would you trust him for what job you'll work, for what neighborhood you'll live in, for what schools your kids are going to go to? Would you trust that your father would provide and not be weighed down with worry? Fourth and finally, we don't worry, verses 29 through 31, because we know that to worry is worldly. Jesus says in verse 29, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Uh, according to Jesus, one of the most common sources of souls being weighed down by worry is trying to live up to a standard of living of the world around us. Uh, we see images of perfect retirements that are 20 years of vacation with no cares whatsoever. Uh, we see gigantic houses that are much nicer than the houses we live in, yet with people just like us living there. And we assume we ought to live a life like that. And yet, according to Jesus, to strive after the lifestyle of the world is to fill our life with worry. Uh, there's another way to live. It's to seek first the kingdom of God. I heard a wonderful testimony of what that's like from Caleb this morning. Uh, caring about the outcome of another Christian's faith, caring about whether your neighbor knows Christ or not, finding ways to serve with your time and your talent, and yes, using your money for the sake of the kingdom of God. According to Jesus, when you focus on the kingdom of God and seeking after it, then you need not worry about all the essentials in life. 
Because God will provide you for the things you need, if not necessarily all the things that you want. I've, it's a sad thing to admit that too many Christians live with uh, a huge heap of worries on their back because they have stri been striving for a lifestyle that is beyond the means God has provided and leaves no room for generosity or service toward others. It's very easy to spend your entire working life working more and more to climb the corporate ladder or to log more hours or find more clients also, you can get more stuff in the here and now. But according to Jesus, that's a bankrupt way to live. It's a way to weigh down your soul with worry and fill yourself with anxiety. Instead, strive after Christ and the peace he brings to our lives. And if you do that, you'll find the things you need added as a bonus, guaranteed. Now, what are some ways you can uh, apply this? Well, I do think that there's much that you can to be said about the way we think of some of the assumptions in the day we live in. One of those, as I've already mentioned, is retirement. Um, it is a wise and good thing to realize that there are different seasons in life, that you even uh, need to slow down as you get near the last leg of your journey through this world, that it's wise to prepare for that day, to not be a burden on anyone else. But our goal should not be to just jet set around the world and lavish luxury all the time, or never to do another thing for another person as if we did all that during our working life, now it's our turn to kick back. Now for a Christian, retirement is just another season of stewardship, uh, a time to pour yourself out for others and even to continue being generous so that you can rely on the Lord to provide. I, been inspired by the example of a woman who was a bank executive, rose very high in her industry, and yet in her retirement, uh, she didn't live a lavish lifestyle, though she certainly earned enough money to do so. Instead, she lived a life of relative simplicity and service. She took in a friend who needed companionship and help. She served in her local church and used her talents to help the administration of the resources God had given them. And she gave a lot of money away. Uh, what if our priorities were to seek first the kingdom? How would that change the way you think about years 65 through 95 if the Lord grants them to you? Uh, another application for this that I think we need to make is realizing we live at a time when many people seem to be content to be defined by their worry. Um, it's true that there are types of anxiety and causes of anxiety that are physical, uh, lack of sleep, changes in the hormone levels in our body, even mental illness can be sources of worry and anxiety. Um, and it's good that we live at a time when there are ways that doctors can help us and medicines that might be useful to alleviate some of those things. And yet we should not have this idea that, well, I just have a worrying sort of personality. And that's the end of the conversation. Now, according to Jesus, we are to fight against our worry. And he gave us four very clear reasons that we can use to punch back to our own souls and the devil when we find ourselves weighed down and consumed by that enemy of worry. And I'll add a fifth to that. Uh, when we find ourselves worrying if we'll have enough or if God will provide, we remember that he has already provided for our greatest need, by not withholding his son, but giving him up for us all. 
Why then would we worry that he would withhold anything else from us that we truly need? Uh, Brothers and sisters, let's not let ourselves fall into the trap of the devil and even follow the pattern of the world, assuming that worry is some fact of life that can never be changed. Uh, Let's hear Jesus' commands to us to not be anxious and not to worry and instead to seek the kingdom of God. Second point this morning, uh, we won't worry Instead, we will treasure the kingdom. That's what we see in 32 through 34. Uh, Jesus starts off with a promise, some really good news. Fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Uh, Jesus describes here is a gift. It's not earned. The rule and reign of God, all the resources that belong in heaven, are available to us as a free gift. We know that comes to us through the gospel of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, uh, please don't think that any amount of uh, uh, living austerely or giving away of resources will ever make you right before God. And the Bible tells us that the only way our souls can be saved and that we can be welcome in God's presence is through a gift of salvation. Uh, God did this not because we earned it in any way, but just because he is a loving and gracious God. He sent his son Jesus to come to this world to to live a perfect life that we all should have lived. And then to give that life up as an offering freely so that he could substitute himself in the place of sinners. Uh, When Jesus gave himself on the cross, God punished him in our place so that we could be forgiven of each and every one of our sins, and that we, so that we can inherit the very kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus rose from the de- dead three days after he died to prove this promise was something you could bank your soul on. And now he calls you to stop trusting in yourself and stop living for the temporary things of this world. He calls you to let go with your heart to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus by faith. Friend, if you do that, you'll receive, yes, your needs in this world. But more importantly, you'll receive the needs for your soul forever. A home in heaven and a relationship with the God that made you filled with love. Don't wait. Find that joy for yourself that all Christians have found. Now, for all of us who are Christians, we realize if we have been given so freely the kingdom of God, there surely is something that we must do in return, in response. And in fact, there are two things. Uh, Got this from Dr. Phil Riken. They are to divest and invest. Uh, The first is to divest. Jesus said in verse 33, sell your possessions and give to the needy. There's a long history of Christians being people that care about charity. Um, It's remarkable how many hospitals and orphanages and soup kitchens and foster agencies go back to Christian roots. Because Christians understand that we are to use our treasure in this world for the good of our neighbors and the glory of God. Uh, Charity is when we do that. When we see real needs... And we step in with the treasure that we've been provided to meet those needs. I hope your heart has 
found the blessing of regularly giving in charitable ways. Uh, certainly to your local church, as well as to individuals that the Lord brings into your life. And you just know that that person is here in this moment so I can help them. I hope you don't resist the Holy Spirit in that moment. Give freely and generously. Give in faith. And when you do, something will happen in your heart. You will know that you have inherited the kingdom of God more confidently than you did before. Now let's recognize it's difficult to do this. Uh, divesting requires faith that our Father will continue to provide. And yet if we know that we have truly been given the kingdom, we cannot help but give and give, even in acts of charity. Now, one way our church tries to do this well is through our benevolence team. Uh, we get requests for financial assistance from people that are hurting in various ways. Uh, Phil Albanetti, a deacon, he leads that team and tries to find ways to meet those needs in a way that's generous and wise and come alongside people that, so we can help in a time where they're hurting. Uh, if you have interest in being a part of that ministry, anytime the benevolence offerings are, are uh uh, are being taken. That money goes into the fund where we uh, provide assistance out of. Um, and Phil's always looking for more people to be involved. So if you want to be more involved in the ministry of charity, that would be one thing you could do. We need to divest. But secondly, we need to invest. Uh, Jesus uses a series of images of security in relation to storing treasure. Provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. It's a basic principle of investing. Every investment carries with it a risk-reward calculation. There's always the possibility that the investment won't pan out or somehow it will be stolen from you or eaten away in some way you can't perceive, which is why a good investor weighs that calculation carefully, makes sure the risk is worth the reward, that investment, the way it might pay off in dividends one day. Uh, Jesus looks at all the investment opportunities available to us in this world, and he says, each and every one of them is far too risky. Uh, that's because you as a Christian have something available to you that the world doesn't. A investment opportunity with an absolute 0% uh, risk rate. An investment opportunity that will pay off an unlimited dividend when you put your treasure in the courts of heaven. I love the way Randy Alcorn puts it. Uh, you are called to invest your treasure in the first bank of the kingdom of God. It's an institution that'll never go away Unlike Silicon Valley Bank that had a bank run and eliminated a whole chunk of wealth all at once, uh, the very legions of angels up in heaven are securing your deposits there. And you have the wisest of all money managers making sure you'll get the biggest dividend of all, Jesus himself. Uh, when you place your treasure in the kingdom of God, you can be confident. Uh, the rewards you will get will be eternal. Uh, lives that are saved, believers that are encouraged, God's glory seen and noticed. All of it, a treasure without price. And you can have as much of it as you want. 
Jesus invites us to trade our worldly wealth for the wealth that will hold value in the kingdom to come. Now, in doing this, Jesus has the best news of all for us in the here and now. Uh, when you make these sorts of deposits, you get a dividend right now. That's what he said in verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, there's a common misreading of this verse uh, that you can tell where someone's heart is by looking at their treasure. Now, that is undoubtedly true. Um, if you gave me your checkbook, I could probably tell the things that you think are most important in your life. Uh, the hobbies that you spend the most time and money on, the amount of we spend on our homes, all of that reveals some of what we value. But that's not what Jesus says. Uh, Jesus says that where your treasure is determines where your heart will go. So ask yourself, do you find yourself not spending enough time thinking about the kingdom of God? Uh, do you find yourself not concerned enough for the souls of your neighbors? Do you find yourself not charitable enough with your fellow believers? Not on mission enough as you know you should live? According to Jesus, there's a very simple thing you can do. Put your treasure in the kingdom of God and your heart will inevitably follow. Uh, all of us who have taken that step of faith to give know this to be true. Uh, your heart follows your money. Uh, where you place your treasure on, uh, without uh, doing anything automatically, spiritually, you, you find yourself more invested, more concerned, more delighted by what God is doing in this world. So divest and invest. Trust Jesus that when he tells you you've been granted the kingdom, that could pay dividends for you right now. And it can last for eternity. Uh, because Jesus doesn't want us to be weighed down by worry in this world. He wants his disciples to be free as a bird and beautiful as a flower and secure as a bank vault. And when we treasure the kingdom of God, we see our hearts reflecting those very things. I had a friend who went on a journey of treasuring the kingdom of God. Uh, he was a professional athlete. And it seemed as if if he worked hard enough and played his cards right, he would get all the things that come with a successful professional athlete's lifestyle. But as time went on, that dream seemed more and more difficult to attain. Injuries eventually robbed the possibility of him succeeding in the way he had hoped. Uh, for a time, that was crushing to him. And that's when God started to change his heart. He started valuing things that are eternal over the things of this world. He started caring less about his net worth in this world and more about the treasures that won't pass away that he was storing up in heaven. So he and his wife decided to start a very different lifestyle. They took jobs that didn't pay all that much money. Uh, they found a way to live within a modest budget. And then they started giving incredibly generously. Uh, someone had actually given them a gift to be able to buy a home, and they felt led to give that gift away for kingdom purposes. And they did that with joy and without fanfare. And something happened. Over time, where their treasure is, their heart was also. 
they grew in their joy and their faith, and they had the great delight of seeing their heavenly Father provide again and again and again. Uh, brothers and sisters, we disciples of Jesus, we don't worry because our heavenly Father provides. Would you believe that? Would you take the antidote for your anxiety? And would you trust Jesus for all you need now and forever? Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, uh, we thank you for granting us such riches that we did not deserve. That no matter how much or how little we have, we can declare we are truly wealthy in the courts of heaven. We lack nothing which our Heavenly Father intended for us to have. And we know his loving intention to us means all that we need will be supplied out of his grace. Uh, Jesus, would you help us? Uh, would you keep us from reaching from a worldly standard of living and loving the things of this world as if they would last? Uh, remind us how moth and rust destroy, how thieves break in and steal, and yet how our inheritance in heaven is sure. I pray that you would help us to respond in charity and generosity in our giving, and that as we invest in the kingdom of God, our dividends of joy would grow and grow off into eternity. Uh, Jesus, now help us to respond with hearts filled with faith and joy, Help us to worship as those who have received so much that we can't help but sing. We pray this all in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's stand together and proclaim that Jesus is our greatest treasure. He is our only hope in life and in death.